Amen. I want to welcome you to our fourth installment of You'll Get Through This. Today's a special day because we got some, something that's going to happen that's going to really, I believe, is going to touch your heart. We got a testimony today about God's goodness. And this is part four, and we're talking about the life of Joseph. And I have a question for you, and this is the name of, the, of this message today. Is God good when life is not? Then I have another question. Is God only good when the outcome is? That, when I, I said that question this, morning, this, uh, this week, it really rocked me because God started to take me on a journey about myself, about when things I pray and I get an answer right away or I get what I was asking for, I, I have this famous line, God is good. Man, God is good. And then when someone would ask me a question about, hey, have you heard anything on this? I said, no, I have not heard anything on that at all. But I never say, God is good. I just said, I'm just waiting. He hasn't answered yet. Um, I'm just in the waiting period. I'm just trusting the Lord. I mean, this is just me. I'm just talking about me. But I never say, God is good, because it even hit me. Do I believe God is good only when the outcome is? And when we started the life of Joseph, catch you up a little bit. Last week, we talked about he stayed in Potiphar's house for about 11 years. And he served Potiphar, and he said the Lord was with him, and he blessed Potiphar just for the sake of Joseph. And he did all he was supposed to do. And then, you know, Potiphar had a frisky wife. It's in the Bible. Who chased him around for almost 11 years. Lie with me, lie with me. And then she attacked him in the house. And he ran. And he did what he was supposed to do. He, he fled the scene and left. So my, his coat, his, his cover. And he got accused wrongfully of trying to manipulate this woman. And Potiphar took him and put him, as we talked about last week, he put him in the federal prison. He didn't put him in the hard prison. I think Potiphar kind of knew his wife's reputation. It's in the Bible. And it says he's in jail. And the keeper, the captain of the guard, seeing that the Lord was with Joseph, and Joseph is serving again in the higher place. And he gave him the whole responsibility. And he was serving with two guys that came down from the king. He's in the king's prison. There was a baker and there was a cupbearer who came and who, who uh, did something wrong to the king, so they put him in the prison. And Joseph had to minister to them. Now, they had a dream. Baker had a dream, and the cupbearer had a dream the same night. So Joseph saw they were discouraged. He went in, and he actually interpreted the dream. One on the baker, um, <laughs> this was a hard one. You're going to die in three days. That's what God said. With the cupbearer, he told him in three days, you're going to get back into the, into the palace. You're actually going to go ahead and um, you're going to go ahead and uh, serve the king again. Then he said this in chapter 40. He said, 
Now, and this is us. I've been in this place for 11 years. I'm in prison for something I didn't do. Okay, now, when it gets well with you, cupbearer, can you do me one favor? Tell Pharaoh what happened. I'm in here. It's not my fault. Tell him so he will release me. And being a cupbearer, he must have been a church member. Sure, I remember you. Well, there's a break in the story. Two years later. Is God still good when the outcome is? He's left down there. The king has a dream. And it scared him half to death. And he brought the magicians, and he says all the wise men in to interpret the dream. And you know, no one's wise but apart from God. I mean, know that. Cupbearer says, wait a second. There's a guy I left hanging two years ago. Let me call, let me get him on the cell phone. He interpreted my dream. So he comes up. And Joseph, they clean him up because he's been in prison for a while, clean shave him. He goes before the king and interprets the dream. Seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. Let's go to that scripture. Chapter 41, verse 29 to 32. It'll be seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. But after that, there will be arise seven years of famine. And all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine will consume the land. And the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow. For it will be very severe. And, dub, and doubting, the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that this thing is fixed. You want to circle that fixed by God. And God will shortly bring it about. Now, if you see Joseph, he unpacks the dream. The, uh, Pharaoh had a dream of seven cows, healthy cows, and seven, seven unhealthy cows, which was important to the Egyptians. The unhealthy cows ate the healthy cows. Sound like more chicken for chicken. Chicken, what's that called, place? I don't know either. Bad joke. And it looked like, they looked like they didn't eat anything. Then he had some, some crops, eat the other crops. And Joseph is interpreting his dream and was seeing something. God sent the dream to Pharaoh. God enabled Joseph to understand him, and ultimately God controlled and will control things. One thing is interesting about this dream, God is ultimately controlling good and evil. Good and evil. But God is sovereign. God set this up. If you go to Genesis chapter 15 and he's given Abraham a covenant, God told him there's going to be a people in Israel are going to go into a land that they're going to become slaves for 400 years. A couple of generations later, just how they're going to get there is by Joseph. Good or evil? God is still good. And Joseph is give, telling this king not only the problem, but he gives him the fix. 
Here's a Hebrew boy talking to the Egyptian king who should not be standing in front of the Egyptian king with the confidence in him and telling him here's the solution. And the Egyptian king saw that God was all over Joseph, his God, the almighty God, and made him the second in charge to work it out. In the midst of evil, seven good plenty years. How many would love that report? You're going to have seven years of great money. And everyone's like saying, God is... Okay, now, after seven years is over, guys, buckle down because seven years, you're going to have nothing. God is... Now, y'all didn't say this loud. <laughs> and I'm not going to get into prophetic because it's happening right now. Seven good years and... Is God only good when the outcome is? It wrecked me. What I want to do now is have a testimony from one of our ladies here who's had an interesting six months. And then we'll come back and finish the message. I believe it goes with this. Because as you're going through something, you got to know that God is good in all things. And you got to cheer him in the, in the, in the valley, and you got to cheer him on, on, the, on the mountain. And I'm, I'm not, I gotta, Lord, show me, you need to have a better cheer in the valley than you do on the mountain. Miss Helen, why don't you come up, ma'am? Y'all know Miss Helen. Now, y'all wouldn't even know that Miss Helen um, has gone through anything because Miss Helen, there's one word to explain and to captivate Miss Helen faithfulness. She's going to have a little testimony she wants to share with you guys. Ma'am, you can sit down too. That's why we bought these nice chairs. Y'all pray for me. (laughs) Um, God is everything to me. Um, I had prepared this message and it wasn't quite finished. But this morning, God woke me up and gave me a word. Journey. So I'm going to give you my journey to victory. Um, My journey started first last year in October when my husband started getting sick. And... We didn't know why, he just kept getting sick, and he had doctors, and they gave him antibiotics and steroids, and they just couldn't figure out what was wrong. And then in January, they figured, well, that maybe it's something wrong with his ear. That So they took him, he went to an ear, nose, and throat doctor. Um, in preparing this um, journey, he said, well, let's try to put ear tubes in. And during when they were preparing for this, to put the tubes in, he noticed that during the scope that he saw a mass. And due to this journey of sickness and then the journey of diagnosis, that they did a biopsy and the biopsy was cancer. Then the journey is preparation. And through preparation of removing his teeth and putting in a feeding tube 
that was our preparation. Then our journey of treatment, which was the radiation, five days a week for six weeks. One day of chemo for six weeks. But through it all, I had prayer. I had my family, my church family. It's not, it wasn't painless. It's hard to see him go through the weight loss, the not eating. But I knew that through Jesus, everything would work out. Because with prayer, God is everything to me. But even as we are through with treatment now, he's still going through his journey. His journey is now is recovery. Through his recovery, I have my strength, which is helping him to gain his strength. Through um, one of the scriptures that I got through is that for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And the Lord being my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, that is our strength journey. Our next journey is trust. I put my trust in him in Hebrews 2.13. says, I will put my trust in him. If I believe in him, then he will get me through this, and I trust my God. It's not easy. It hasn't been easy. But even as I'm preparing his meals daily, as I'm getting up in the mornings or before work or coming home, preparing his meals, making sure that he has his strength, I know that God is with me through your prayers and God, even if you have a prayer, you have to sometimes be specific. And I remember when we were preparing for our, our trip on our anniversary, the ladies, we prayed that he would, we prayed for his taste buds, that his taste buds would start working so that he would be able to eat food. And on this trip, he was able to eat for the first time. <laughs> and even though now he's still, every now and then he will, he still, every now and then, eat just a little. And I'm still preparing meals for him to use through his tube. But I know that with God, everything is possible. And by his faith, I believe in him, and peace is our last journey, which we have peace in God. And I know that the victory is mine, and I have the promise of the Lord for God's grace and his mercy will get me through this until I finish my journey. Amen. She forgot to tell you that he's completely healed.
Amen. One thing I didn't, I meant to say too that everything Miss Helen said, and how she's feeling, you would never know it in a day-to-day life. That she says, I do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We have to sometime, how are you doing? She's, she's such a servant. And I know that's good for her to do what she does. And, but her strength has just been overwhelming to all, each and every one of us. And we have another man on that journey. His name is Terry Benningfield, our elder. One week left. He, her husband was a pathway, and Terry's in that path. And then they're going to come back, and they're going to give the testimony. And we're going to celebrate two men who doctors said no chance, but God said, wait a minute. It's always with me, all things are possible. Luke 1, 37. If you haven't learned anything through this, what she just said, you're going to have the scriptures as anchors for your soul. A good pep talk doesn't do it unless you've got scriptures that's foundational in your life. Because we can't explain it. And I don't think she ever said, God, you did this. And this is what this message is about today. When we read that little passage, there's three things I wanted to pull out of that. The first one, God is not the author of evil. He's not the author of evil. Now, God gives permission. He permits. But the third thing is, God brings good out of all things. All things he brings good out of. Sometimes we can't explain it. All the question of evil, and we hear it all the time, if God is good, why is this? And I told this in our class this morning that the world, the world that we have today is not the world that God delivered to us. <laughs> Until my wife would say, if Adam didn't have his act together, we wouldn't be here right now. So he allows free choice, and free choice comes a lot from us. Because we already know what God's choice is. It's written all over his word. So that things happen, we don't understand. But once she taught me was, though they happen, God, I still trust you. And God, I know you can take I know you didn't create this, and I don't know why things are opening up to this, but I know one thing, you'll take all this and make it good. And all those run, have to run through your mind consistently. Why? Because you say it, will not be quick. it won't be painless, it won't be quick. But I know God will take this mess and turn it into something good. Is a guy qualified to say this? If you help me know the story of Job, Job only suffered from one thing. He had bad friends. Because all Job needed was a hug. Not a, uh, he didn't need a, um, a sermon from his, his buds. Well, they got in chapter 34, and one of his friends was talking to him about God and, and, the great, and God's judgment. And he said this in, in Job 34.10. He said, therefore, hear me, you men of understanding. Far be it from God that he should do wickedness, and from the Almighty that he should do no wrong. And this is Job who lost everything, everything that he thought was valuable. 
And in his famous words, we kick out and says, oh, though he slay me, I will trust you anyway. Those are powerful words because Job had a revelation that God is good even when the life, the world isn't. And he didn't hold, lose his faith. He got weak, but he didn't lose it. He recognized one thing, that our God is the author of good. Our God is the author of all good. The source of good. Anything apart from God is not really good. Think about it. Anything I manufacture, it's not really qualified as what we call good. James 1.17 says this, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights from whom there's no variation or shadows to, to change. It talks about the gift and the giver of gifts. The gift and the giver of gifts. The Father of lights, not the Father of darkness. Though sometimes we walk through some dark seasons, he is not the father of darkness. Sometime in your darkest hour, you have to get into the word of God to see the light, God's light, to help you through the path. I love what the way she put it, journey. It was a journey. It wasn't something we stop at. It's a journey of healing, a journey of reconciliation, a journey of uh, putting things back together with the enemy might threw it apart. Every good and perfect gift. I, I want you to look at this, because how we judge good and how the God judges good is a lot different. Because we look at it through success, and if you look at it through success, I look at his son, Jesus, Rejected, beaten, killed, and touched thousands of people. Amen? And only 120 came when he was going to ascend. And out of 120, he really had 12 who still didn't get it. I will not call that success. But God calls success this, which I had to get. Your salvation and my glory. Jesus was at the glorified God on earth. Everything I want to do is give God glory, make him more famous. Not have a better check or have anything else in life. Make him famous. I'm so happy I'm successful because I am have salvation. Not a check. Salvation And everything I want to do is reflect his glory. That's what he did. In the world's eyes, he failed. In God's eyes, it's pinnacle. Job saw that. Now, it took a while because we see a whole bunch of chapters. That he, had weak, he had some time. But to see us, what we call good and successful is our salvation and God's glory. That's amazing. Because you can't lose that. And making him famous is awesome. That's what it means. 
Now, second thing is when we talk about evil, because that's the question of the day. You see that God permits, he gives permission. Because he has an ultimate purpose. But there's a story in Mark chapter 5 that I've read over that thing a hundred times, and I looked at it again. And this is Jesus coming on the scene, and really the whole chapter of Mark 1 through 5 is talking about Jesus' authority over things and his power over things. And he meets a man who is just totally uh, demonic in the cave, cutting himself up. No one can hold him down. No one can control him. No one knew Jesus was walking a bunch of people. No one even recognized who he was until the demons and the man did. That's amazing when the demons recognize, oh my, he said, the son of God, the son of almighty, the mightiest God. What are you going to do with us? What are you going to do with us? Did you come to torment us? And he said, I want you to come out the man. He said, well, how many are you? Who are you? He said, my name is Legion, which in those days translated to 3,000 to 6,000 demons in one guy. But you read the story in verse 12. You read part of it in, in verse 12 and 13. He told them, okay. They begged him, please. These are demons begging. Get us out of your presence, please. Send us to the pigs. Let us enter them, 13. He gave them permission. And came out at the end of the pigs. And the herd numbering about how many? Rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. And the, you see the later story, the townsmen came in. Where all our money go? They went down there. What a barbecue we missed out on. 2,000 pigs over the side. Gave them permission. When I realize about sickness and disease and demons and all those things, when I realize I have my faith in the right spot, Jesus has dominion and authority over every one of them. Now, a lot of people focus on pulling them out. He said, no, I'm focused on the authority. They were scared of him. Like one man, God said, uh, when we wake up in the morning, the devil ought to be nervous. Oh, he's up and she's up again, about to take some things down. So he gives permission. He permits. Joseph had to realize it because he was giving God all the glory. God's the only one that interprets dreams. God's going to do this. God's going to do that. And you know, it's noticing that you, you actually... Um, glorifying God when you're in the middle of a mess. He's in, pri- he's in prison. He's, now he's in the palace. But he had a long road, and God's still good. How many of you got a testimony? How many remember where you were? And where God took you? Sometimes that's all you got to remember until the next testimony. Don't stop going through it. Don't stop the journey. Continue going. Last one is God brings out all, brings good out of all things. Romans 8.28. How many of you love 8.28? 
Romans 8, 28 is equivalent to Genesis 50, 20, when he says, what you did for evil, I do for good. And we know that for those who love God, all things what? All things what? For what? For what? For what? For those who are called according to whose purpose? Ooh, his purpose. I looked at that. Then I looked at another story, Jesus, because I'm thinking about Joseph already knew that God's going to work this all out for good now because he's the second one in charge. He's the prime minister now. Well, Jesus, in John chapter 9, verse, in John chapter 9, he runs into a man who's blind. And it's amazing what takes place. He sees a man blind. Everyone sees, is he blind because he sinned? See how religion is? He must have did something wrong. He's blind from death, from birth. He's got to be a sinner. So Jesus said, no. This is, this is something. He said, but the works of, he is, this man had not sinned or his parents, but that the works of God may be displayed in him. Displayed in him. He's set up for God's work to be displayed in him. He's amazing. God was able to take the blindness, which is bad. How many know blindness is bad? And turn it for an opportunity for Jesus to reveal the glory of God to people. When I read that, I said, oh my gosh. I need to say God is good because whenever he turns my stuff around, it's going to be for the glory of God and that's going to attract a lot of more people. I'm so self-centered sometimes. He's going to make it a display case that only God gets you out of it. Then when you answer the question, you're going to win people to Jesus or influence the God's going to be glorified through it. That's amazing. That is totally amazing. Because I know when we, in two, in two months, when Mr. Terry and, and um, Roy come back, you think we're not going to party? And then when they go in the workplace and they say, you're back? <laughs> well, why, how'd you get back? I just got to tell you, man, God is good. And he turns all things. And I'm walking according to his purpose. Now, his purpose not might be for me to be free, but for you to be free. Do you know Christ? That's a different mindset there. That's a different mindset over there. When you see the word good in there, all things, how many celebrate that? Well, you know, Miss Donna makes fantastic sticky buns. If you guys don't know what sticky buns are, you call them cinnamon rolls here. Attempt to in Texas. She mixes it up. When I eat one, because it comes out the oven, just with the cinnamon and the syrup, and it's like melts in your mouth. And I'm talking in, anyway, in tongues. I said, that's good. Now, I'm not talking about just eating a dough with nothing on it. That's not good, is it? Anybody like to eat raw dough with no, no, nothing on it? 
Now, some kids will eat sugar. I'm not talking about eating brown sugar by itself. That's not good, is it? In fact, some of y'all are like, Pastor Rich, you need to go on a diet. <laughs> hey, when I get to heaven, I will. But I'm over 50, I can eat what I will. <laughs> got a revelation from God. <laughs> okay, I got to stay on my story. And I'm talking about when I eat into it, bite into it. When all the ingredients are combined, it becomes good. Whatever he meant for evil, and then he adds some good, and he mixes it all together. When I walk into that, it becomes good. It becomes fantastic. It becomes very attractive to other people, to me and other people, because it's not to say God's glory, his strength is amazing. Because it's all the sum of all that. When we put it all together and we bite into what God has for us, we recognize, yeah, it was some evil things. I come from some places. I've been just, I mean, someone walked out on me. It doesn't matter because whatever's their area, that ingredient's bad, but he's got some good in there. Let me mix it all together. And that good overrides that evil. Because I tell you what, dough's not tasting good without cinnamon. So you got to override that and you put it in the oven and God brings it out. And that's what that scripture means. All things. So is God good? Only when the outcome is? Or is he good all the time? Here's a question, too, we ask ourselves. Because once we've been injured, especially through a series like this, or you remember, you're afraid to trust again question is, can I love and trust God no matter what? And the answer is yes. Let me show you a couple of scriptures. Malachi 3.6 says this. For I, I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, all children of Jacob are not consumed. This is a people who are ignoring God when the last books of the Old Testament, he talked about them. We always pull the scripture out of there for tithing and offering. But he was talking about the whole deal. I don't like you guys divorcing. I don't like you guys, when we have a collection at the temple, you just bring your second and third best. Will you do that to your own uncle? Will you do that to your own father? I'm God, the heavenly father. He says, one thing, though, even though you've been punished, even though you've been shoved out of your land, I'm not going to change because of a covenant. You are not going to be consumed. You're not going to die. You're not going to lose. And I don't change the weather, like the weather changes. Circumstances change, but I don't change. And now the equivalent to that in the New Testament is Hebrews 13.8. says this. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, today. Forever. He's not going to change. His grace is amazing. His love. He died on the cross for us. Everything we have from him is a permanent fixture. So even when things seem like they're shaking off the hinges, our Christ is not shaking. He is not moved. He's not consumed by it. We might seem like we're consumed by it, but I need something I can grip onto that's not going to fall. That's not going to come off. How many know the saying, the good old days and the bad old days? Had some good days, I had some bad days. Let me add this for you. 
But God is in all days. God is in all days. Every day he's in. What we call good, what we call bad, is still good to him. Because there's always an opportunity for us to do something. I want to encourage you. This scripture was amazing when he said, the feast and the famine. He's God of the feast and the famine. And he always brings it to pass. Always brings it to pass. I don't want that testimony that you got from Miss Helen to bring you down. I want you to be encouraged that God, like she said, it was nothing we were stopping at. We are just walking through this because my God will do all things well. He will take care of it. He doesn't change. Nothing changes in his life. Things are going to come on the other side that we're going to be giving him glory and then we are safe and everything's fine. Now, does it happen quick? No. Is it painless? No. Is it going to be good? Yes. That's amazing. That's truly amazing. How many of me would be encouraged with that? So this, this series is not designed to beat anybody up. It's actually designed to help us get through it. And again, when I asked that question, I was asking myself that question this whole week. Am I just as loud praising God when things the outcome is not good? Or am I just sometimey? And that's what he told me. What happens is I start losing my faith. I start stop looking at those anchor scriptures that I need to have. Philippians 4.13 is my favorite scripture. I use it every day when I'm going to a place that I might be nervous about. God, for you, everything that you see right now that's shaking, is shaking, is secure in Christ. He's going to turn it. He's going to turn it for his purpose. Everything. How many believe that? Everything. Not something. Everyone stand up. This is a faith move, Okay. I learned this when I was teaching kids. I was reminded that today when I was teaching three-year-olds. I'm not calling you a three-year-old, but it helped me when we were doing it. I used to tell the kids, in fact, I want you to do this. If you're a guest, you don't have to do this. Forgive me, but I like to have fun. I tell the kids, seem like you're turning this direction. Put your arms up like this. And you're holding on to the bars. And you're just facing whatever's in front of you. But you forget one thing. There's a God in heaven that turns it. Can y'all do that? Turn it. Come on. One, two, three. Turn it. See? And if you're really good, you can go, turn it. Turn it. Turn it. Yeah, see? And that's what happens turning all the time until they get dizzy. Sometimes I don't care where you are in your house. Things are going rough. Sometimes you got to get crazy and go, turning it. I'm turning it. I'm turning into God and letting him do it. 
I know, I'm weird. They work with the three-year-olds. But drastic measures sometimes require drastic things. And the love of the life of faith never said it's gonna be easy. Never said the ride's gonna be smooth. Never said you're gonna have not a bumpy ride. But I know one thing through salvation and the glory of God, I always have a smooth landing. And my landing is in Him. I want to encourage you on that. Next week, we're going to learn not to hide what we're going through because it's not good for your soul. I want to encourage you. What you're going through, he's going to turn it. If you want to know how to do about faces, find a military person. They'll tell you how to do it. But really, I do that sometime because I know I'm going to turn. And when I look at him, he turns me around to him. Not to the problem. Ms. Donna put something on Facebook the other day. It's not to the problem. He turns me to the promise. He turns me to the promise. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Your mind, I don't change. I'm going to say yesterday, today, and forever. You can trust me again. Amen? Everybody put your hands up. Let me pray for you. We're close. Father, I thank you today, God, that you show us. You show us your love and your grace. You don't beat us up, Father. You encourage us by testimonies. You encourage us by your word. You encourage us by just your love and your grace here this morning. Father, I pray for everyone here, God. Whatever it looks like they stay right in front of them, I pray that they will see that you're turning it, God. You turn all things, not just some things. You're the master of reconfiguring anything that we might be going through. For your glory and for our salvation. You will rescue us, but you'll also make yourself famous through it. Use us, God, to be a light, a billboard for the world to see your goodness. Though it might hurt, though it's painful, though it's not quick, we just know it's going to turn quickly. Now, your quickly is different than our quickly. But, Father, let us trust you in the midst of it. Pray for strength, as Miss Helen said, for strength for our days, everyone here, God. And still strength, Lord. And still courage where discouragement has come in. Father, I thank you this morning for your sweet, sweet spirit. You are Father. And we love you. And thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Come on, guys. Give the Lord a hand clap one time.